0: Welcome back to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer divide. I'm George K. on the vendor side.
1: And I'm George A., a Chief Information Security Officer.
0: That's right. And it was like a couple weeks back that I saw this post on LinkedIn, and it was from an InfoSec engineer named Martin Resnick, and he was saying... That somebody called his wife. Was <laughs> like doing some cold call nonsense. And this probably went more viral than he expected. Uh, probably stirred a lot more pots, kicked a lot more hives than he expected. But we are super excited to have him here on the show. Martin, welcome to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. It was uh yeah, it, it, it got so much more. I was hoping for maybe a couple responses of yeah, you're okay to be mad or no, that's how it goes now, but yeah, it, it exploded pretty quick.
0: Yeah. Well, you are on the uh, on the cybersecurity would be customer side. I'm on the vendor side, which means I get first crack. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to take it easy, which is I think I want to step back, you know, and kind of s- away from the heat of the initial reaction in LinkedIn because what I really want to do here is understand the actual experience so i think in the as memory serves in the post you said something about how you know change jobs and you can correct me at any time and then you sort of started suddenly getting bombarded on your inboxes and calls and then you know this tipping point was when the calling started to affect your family but that's a quick summary. I, I kind of want you to step back and take us kind of detailed through this experience. Cause what I'm hoping to do is really humanize this, especially for the vendors who listen to the
3: show.
2: Right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a, it was a well-known company. I just started a new job. Um, I had a couple of, at least my first email from him, uh, my first day at the new company. So, um, mm. he, I'm guessing he did, you know, the normal research that a lot of people do to figure out what our email, email setup is to mm-hmm. just plug, plug my name in, get my email that way. Cause it, you know, I wouldn't have had any time to put my email anywhere or sign up for anything or anything like that. Um, had, that you done the,
0: had you done the LinkedIn like job change notification?
2: Um, yeah, it was on LinkedIn that I'd started the new job. So he he would have been able to look, look at that, see what the company was and go from there. Um, so yeah, it's it wasn't weird to me that he got a hold of my email. You know, I, I just expect that, especially being in cybersecurity and all it's done. And uh, the the thing that surprised me was just that right away, day one, you know, the, the whole first week is orientation for new hires. And before the end of the first day, I already had, you know, sales emails in there, which... I I don't know who's uh trying to set up vendor, vendor calls on their the first day unless it was already in the works or something like that. It just it just seems a little crazy.
0: For sure. Not like you got any kind of budget or any really yeah. You, know, you might exactly. not even have like the key card to get in the building yet, but okay. Right.
2: Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, All I right, mean so if it's I, if it's somebody that was the the only way I'm setting up a vendor call on day one is if the company already had a relationship or something like that. They have wanted me to take it over. I could see something mm-hmm. like that, but this was just uh yeah, just a, a straight up cold email.
0: Okay, so we go from email on the first day, which is just uh real special, um <laughs> to uh to where does it go from there?
2: Um it, it just became repeated emails. Um, you know, by the first by the end of the first week, um I wanna say I had three or four. It was pretty pretty close to every day.
3: Um, mm, pretty much okay. the same
2: pretty much the same email. Um never like some people on the LinkedIn post said, he could have at least started with a "congrats on the new job" or something like that. I saw that mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, but there was, I didn't see any of that. You know, it was just a jump right into the "here by my stuff." And uh, um, yeah, there was so he, he wasn't getting the response he wanted from me. Um, there was a, a pretty decent gap of a couple of weeks. That was when the the phone call to my wife happened. You know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't post my my cell phone on anything. Um, I know you can get it out there. on On various websites and things like that which i assume is how he did it um but yeah he uh i got a random call my wife came into my office and was like you know this guy with this name and i was kind of in my head i was like "That name sounds familiar but i don't know where it's from and he was apparently real vague on giving her details about who he was or why he wanted to talk to me because she's you know she's weirded out too that he's calling her phone to to try and get a hold of me and uh, never, never once got an attempt on my, my cell phone either from him, which I thought was interesting. So,
0: so you do get the sense that he knew he had reached not you, right? He had reached another person because he was asking for you. Is that right? Right.
2: Yep. Yeah. He he ended up getting her phone and getting her and asked for me specifically. Um, so she came in and um, just to see if I. That that was where the conversation got a little bit weird too, because she came into the office and she's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, this guy called my phone. He wants to talk to you." And I was like, "I don't, I don't really know who it is," but uh, she she kind of went back to him and she's like, "What is this for?" And he he said it was a like a work thing or something like that, and was kind of you know real vague on details. And uh, she's like, "Well, I can give the phone to him right here, and if you want." And he he must have said no because. He, she said, she hung up and she's like he said he'll uh, he'll just reach out to you on your email, and then I never heard from him again either. So after all of that, he never tried to reach out again.
0: Yeah, this is all really interesting. I'm gonna turn it over to to George in a second because I can tell the the leash is really tight and he wants to bounce. <laughs> but um, just give me a second. I'm like sort of give me the vibe. How did this all? make you feel sort of like the barrage on day one all the way to and obviously in the moment discombobulated like you know where it's right. coming from but like something was building right because then you took to the keys and you were like
2: yeah
3: but,
2: yeah it was kind of it started out as just uh you know i'm not i'm not used to being in a position where vendors actually have a reason to reach out to me you know some of my old mm-hmm. positions they, they'll reach out to you and cold call you or whatever because they see you're in it whatever it is but i'm not I always had the out of oh I don't have anything to do with that um, mm-hmm. I'm a weird person that kind of thing, um, so I, I kind of was expecting to get some of those sales calls and things like that. You know it always happens real quick, uh, but yeah the reason that I ended up making the post was just just the fact that it got to the point where they where he ended up getting my wife instead, and I was kind of like I mentioned in the post like I didn't know if that was if I was the weird one or if that was you know just. I didn't know if I should be mad about it or if that was just how things are done now, and I didn't know that yet.
3: Oh God! Okay. So
2: I, I wanted to at least give the benefit of the doubt of maybe maybe I'm uh, not just in my in my anger. So,
0: all right, George K. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. That's um, I remember when I first read it. Um, and George and I usually will like text each other and stuff when we see kind of things like this pop up, um, they're hit on a couple different levels. The first office on a professional level, there is, there is no SOP anywhere, anywhere <laughs> that like encourages or authorize you to contact like a, a prospect's family. Um, that, First of all, it was a massive, massive just obliteration of boundaries. Like if that yeah. there's a red line, he he didn't he didn't like step over it. He high jumped over it. It's it's right. nuts. Um and on a couple different levels, it like really like look on a professional level, obviously, like you know, you can go to his you go to his um, whatever his his organization's hierarchy, you might go to a VP or a CRO or, or someone at a C suite level and be like, hey man, like this was really out, like out of bounds. You know, it would destroy the relationship or any potential relationship your organization might have with theirs if you guys have a long standing one in place. Um, You know, you could obviously disrupt gentlemen's uh, uh, industrial reputation just because now, if you're getting to a decision maker level uh, in the InfoSec game, you're going to be connected with other decision makers and that word spreads around pretty fast. Um, And, you know, George talks about that quite a bit, talking about that. that ominous, uh, signal or WhatsApp channel, you know, CISOs talking to CISOs basically painting out who the bad guys are so we can all avoid them. Those things do exist. Uh, hopefully you're starting to connect to some of those channels. Um, and then there's just the the human factor of it. And, you know, like I, you know, folks can't, can't see this right now, but Martin, you, you're like a pretty big tough dude yourself, you know, and like I grew up in a blue collar town. It was a prison town. Right. And, I always look at it like business is business and, and what you do in the business world to, to some level, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a game. You're putting on a mask and you know, we all kind of understand what we're engaging in. It's not, it's real life, but it's not really real life, you know? Um, but on a real human level, I think, if I was to have my boundaries broken to that extent, like if someone contacted like my girlfriend or they contacted my family trying to reach me and especially in like, now you're describing it in detail and as sketchy a manner as they did. um That like, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Like I, if I ever physically ran into that person, I'm, I might be liable <laughs> to kick their ass. Right. Like that's not, and like we laugh, but like, I'm, I'm not, joking, man. Like where I grew up, like that kind of stalkerish kind of behavior, that's, that's grounds for getting your face punched in. Um, and I'm not like encouraging, like me all like, out of the way of the nomads, but it's just like, you know, there are some people in this life that exist that clearly have never gotten their shit checked, whether verbally or physically. Right. And a guy that would do such a thing, and I, like, I don't care how new or how desperate you are in business. You have to have something wrong with you fundamentally on an emotional, on a psychological level to think that that's a good idea. Like there's no voice in the back of your head saying, mm, I don't know. I wonder if he's going to like that. I wonder if his wife's going to help me. And then and then you get the wife and you are right there. And then you pull the weirdest. He so might as well have just called her and just breathe the whole time. <sighs> right. Uh, Martin, who's on the phone? <laughs> like right what the fuck was that I I, I I have nothing but empathy for what you went through because like I, I get barrage like that every fucking day man and you know I'm thankful it's never quite yet crossed that line but I think you know just coming from where I've come from and uh, you know I'm ex-military, right? So like you, you have that certain paranoia to you. I think a lot of these salespeople have to realize that folks that work in professional commercial security usually oftentimes come from pretty traumatic backgrounds. You know, you've gone through some shit, you end up in this point and it's a real fast track to triggering a very, very negative response. If you start absolutely obliterating boundaries like that, like, I don't know how you felt, but like, I would, I would perceive that as a threat to my home.
3: Right.
2: And I was, you know, maybe I'm just too, uh, too forgiving or too nice too, but I was at a certain point I was kind of seeing, you know, some of the people They were definitely salespeople on my posts that were like, you know, it could have been an honest mistake. They look for your phone number. They, they don't, both of our phone numbers I think are listed under my name. So you could totally find her number online somewhere with my name or something like that. But, um, if, if that's the case and it really was just an accident that he didn't mean to call her, he could have followed up with an email. Hey, sorry, this happened. That wasn't my intention, yes. but I got, I got
3: yes.
2: nothing. So that's where the, the sympathy kind of went out the window. I was like, he could have at least apologized and said, hey, it was an honest mistake, and I would have, I would have been okay with that probably. Martin,
1: but- that would require him showing vulnerability and showing some degree <laughs> of humanity. Right. And I don't think that's really in his MO.
0: Right? Well, and now that you tell the story too i was i was trying to play devil's advocate in my head and i was thinking okay so yeah let's say he did some zoom info poll and got a number and he thought it was you i mean the moment that not martin's voice answers the phone (laughs) right is the moment to say like oh i'm sorry i must have the wrong number i apologize not not to say oh is martin there What's this about? Right. Oh, it's a work like into like, you know, weeble wobble your way through it. Um Yeah, it's like for, yeah. for the whole
2: thing to be valid, you kinda have to go through a bunch of what ifs in a row that line up perfectly for it to still be still be harmless, I think.
0: Yeah, it's it's strange credulity to to get that far. so we call this bare knuckles right and i think we've gotten pretty bare knuckle on this because it's pretty easy it's pretty easy to get um but then get down to some brass tacks so martin have you had any other encounters uh since this one or describe I i think people can find the post but i want you if you got any like sort of you know offline dms or something like sort of what was the reaction here
2: um, for the most part, people were pretty, pretty much had the same view that you guys did. You know, it's, it's, it's def- a definite crossing of a line. Um, mm-hmm. there's no, you know, no excuse for it. I had, I guess I didn't really have anybody advocate for him other than the, you know, he could have looked their phone number up, got the wrong one, didn't know it wasn't yours. That, that was the most common defense I think of it. Um, and then there were a couple of people that kind of, Uh, seem to attack the I guess the sales culture that we have where you know a lot of people are just they're stressed from having to fill a sales quota whatever it is a lot of them start to if they start to get desperate they start to do whatever they can to try and Mm -hmm. try and make a sale whatever it is um kind of those two things were the only things that were said in defense of it really
0: yeah I mean the culture issue is real and I think we've addressed it several times it so there are two things at work right obviously there is just unreal level of expectation or pressure but there's also complicit in that is some kind of tacit permission to do whatever it takes by any means necessary get the lead on the phone and if the metric is just did you get him on the phone did you get him to take a meeting and isn't like did you build trust? Which is obviously much harder to measure than a sort of yes, meeting yeah. complete. No, you know, didn't get the meeting. Um, it gets it gets into some pretty sociopathic territory because it it forces. And I, I try not to use that word lightly, but I mean it. It really divorces the humanity out of the equation. It's just like you are on you are lead number. You know, yeah. insert field here among yeah. many. Right.
3: Yeah. Exactly
0: cool yeah you got you gotta, you got to think
1: like i i think part of what we're trying to do is particularly with this podcast is we're trying to map out a blueprint for more successful sales engagements and like obviously like the the whole brass tack part of it is that is like well what can you do right. um i think really this goes back to humanizing the interaction like i think whoever this individual was completely dehumanized you You were a new decision maker. They wanted to strike while the iron was hot before you actually had your feet on the ground to figure out what you can and can't. Unlike realistically, if there's a completely new guy at the job to any salespeople listening, Mm -hmm. they have not, like as George mentioned, probably even had time to have their their swipe passes sorted out yet, let alone figure out their budgetary plan, let alone figure out the cycle, let alone figure out their own strategic plan or talk to any other stakeholders because- I have rarely met any other information security leader that has the power to like arbitrarily make financial decisions without at least getting someone else on board. Right. right? So they've been there for less than a week and you're saying this dude started day one. Yep. What the fuck do you think your odds of positive return are going to be? like seriously man like how fucking new are you like it's infuriating to even say it out loud man i don't even know how you're so calm about it i'm like pissed off for you
2: (laughs) yeah it's like if they unless unless a company gives you a ridiculous unsafe amount of information in your interview process you're still you're still spending the first week trying to even figure out what your environment looks like right you're not going to be thinking you know hey, I need a vendor for this already, unless your workplace already tells you it's in the works, they need it and go do it. But it's even that probably not going to happen in the first couple of days. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that mm, I mean, I don't know this dude, but it strikes me then this must be a very new person, right? Because anyone who is ever sold into InfoSec would know that. So right. that points to another cultural problem, which is, a lack of training, uh, right. George K's friend, they uh, Madi Raza talked about this, right? Like people aren't willing to invest in their workforce. So it's just like, Hey, you worked a BDR role before. How about you come over to this startup and start as an account executive? Here's your territory, go for it. And here are the metrics. Right. right? And it's just sort of like unleashed without any kind of acculturation yeah. to how these systems work, how these uh, business cultures. Right. Work.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's like if if it's to that point too, where they're you know shotgunning things out that quick too, you know that they're you can already tell just from that that they're not doing any real research into your company, what you might need, what you what you already have. Mm-hmm. They they know nothing about your company. They're just you know, like I said, shotgunning it out, hoping they hoping to get hits on something.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, I think I, I think it speaks more to a larger like endemic problem in our industry where you have these organizations that went into hyper growth mode. They're often VC backed and their expectations are like year over year, double your growth, and, or, and if you don't, you're a failure, which is oh just oh insane God. to me.
0: Like hockey stick. But then it's
1: oh. <laughs> like, I'm just like, people like, it's like investors that have no clue how this industry actually works, putting out just the most unrealistic circumstances with people who are new to the industry and have no idea how this thing actually functions. It is just a sheer recipe for a clusterfuck. Um, but like, again, I think at an an industrial level, and I hope this helps facilitate more conversations like this, we need to be realistic about how um, a business development representative or professional gets trained and released to the market. Because the fact that like, unless you're hiring someone who is like an A A class stud player, who's got a known right, like a Neil Saltman type guy in the field, right? Mm. If you're hiring someone who's relatively new, or just someone who's in mid-career, right? You need to give them like a one to three-month runway to learn the product, have some proper methodologies. Maybe go through some rehearsals, go through some rehearsal calls, go through some rehearsal yeah. emails. Have that like properly cr- uh, critiqued and, and quality controlled, right? Like I can't, I can't put out a report to fucking anyone without at least two or three people QCing it, right? right. At my level, so why are they letting you guys just run free ball like we don't know what you're doing you guys will figure it out
2: <laughs> right? Hope uh, best.
1: yeah man like where, where's the preparation and that's why the results are as shit as they are and that's why they're cutting them you know 10 15 of an entire workforce yep. mostly marketing and sales getting clipped all over the place
0: yep. yeah yeah so it looks like you have veered into the brass tax territory we've gotten training <laughs> so uh So let's, let's talk, let's talk brass tag. So I would say uh, for anyone listening, emailing someone on their first day should be a congratulations and nothing more. Just walk away. If you have emailed that person more than one time that week, that is, that is two emails too far. Right. Right. Um, So George K you've talked about, the number of uh, emails you got from one particular rep in a short amount of time. And you described it as abuse, which I agree with, right? I mean, no one, no one needs that level of just torrential spam in their inbox. And Martin, you were saying it's the same email. It's literally just copy paste the whole yeah, time. Yeah.
2: It, yeah, I don't, I don't know for sure that it was, you know, word for word just copied and pasted, but it was, it was the sales pitch each, each time, you know, there was never, never any new information. It may have been worded different, but.
0: 100% coverage military-grade encryption, I bet. Um, <laughs> cloud native, right? You've heard it all before. <laughs> but, that's that's um, what everybody leads with. That's right. And we can solve all your problems tomorrow. Holy um, fucking
1: zero-trust turnkey solutions. Keep going, bud.
0: <laughs> we could we go all night. Um So what that tells me is I see a lot of automation in the background, right? They dump you into an outreach or a sales loft, like some sort of marketing automation, which, you know, I've heard uh, from a dear friend is a good way to do bad things fast, right? (laughs) Like like I can just send out the same email over and over. So let's, let's humanize that experience, right? Let's congratulate you on the job right maybe reach out i don't know this is where it gets a little tricky if the rep is local to where you are versus kind of you're like in a larger territory you know maybe offer to meet maybe offer to like just get to know you and your new role right. something where it shows like i have curiosity about you right. as a person what do you do
3: right yeah
2: yeah i mean it it turns into it would turn it into more of a what what are your actual needs at this company rather than here buy my stuff? You know, when they when they just pitch it that way, they don't know what you need if you need it. Yeah.
0: Or your background, even, right? Like like right. let's say you come in with cloud architecture background versus somebody who came in with like IAM yeah. stuff. I mean, there's a completely different like, yeah. need set. Maybe your the role you were hired for is different than the one you came from. I mean, all of that needs to be sussed out because h- how else will I know essentially what to sell to you? <laughs> so, right. um, but yes, like let's, let's get to know uh, the person. So that's, that's my brass tacks. I think George, you're pointing to is something deeper, which is just training. Um,
3: <laughs> and, like
0: my, and my, understanding the- the cycles in this industry?
1: Yeah, like my thing comes down to you need to give your salespeople time. You need to give them time to learn their product, learn their job, learn, you know, a playbook. Um, And hopefully your playbook is not predatory either, but, you know, you, you need to give folks time not having to worry about quota immediately where they're actually working on a methodology. And so within that methodology, if there's like, hey, research your prospects, that should automatically like remove people's desire to like spray and pray blasts everywhere. Right. Cause that, that's, that's what immediately leads to that. If you have like an unrealistic quota expectation, as soon as you hit the ground, you're not really given time to learn the product and you might be given a couple of pre-written scripts based on what you have and what you have to accomplish in your extremely limited timeline. It logically makes sense that you would do such a, um, I guess, inhumane approach to try to crack open sales. If you're given the time and you're taught and given the tools to actually humanize and and conduct a proper interaction, like, yeah, you, you know, maybe you'll have for every, like maybe from instead of doing like a hundred or a thousand interactions or opens a week, you might only get like 10 or 20 calls in a day. Right. But, The five or 10 people that might answer those calls are going to be a lot more real, a lot more interested, and you're going to have a much greater probability for long-term success. So repeat clients who re-sign than if you're just blasting away and in the hopes that, oh, well, someone's desperate enough that our product might solve their immediate problem and then I'll get a quick sale and I'll make my numbers. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, even if you do get the sale that way, they're going to try to get rid of you as soon as contractually or financially possible. So I, I'm I'm begging, begging the ownership of sales organizations, please be realistic with your expectations of your people and enable them for success. So it doesn't give us more fucking cannon fodder to blast away at on this show.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I know this um, isn't what the podcast necessarily is about, but you mentioned, you know, this is, that's one of the industries that is getting hit hard by layoffs right now, you know, marketing and sales and things like that. Uh, but recruiting too has a seems to be exactly the same problem. You know, mm-hmm. they have a lot of people that just they'll they'll see a keyword on your in your past, and then they'll start blasting you every job description they have that has that keyword in it. Rather, uh, and, uh, it's, it's exactly the same thing. That's a it's a quota issue, and uh, yeah.
1: I I worked in big consulting for a while too, and at least in Canada, I don't know how it is in the states. It's a race to the bottom kind of game. You're all, it's the same players fighting for the same general um, public sector tenders, and they're mm-hmm. all trying to underbid each other to try yeah. to get that. And you're working as cheaply as possible with as cheap a resource as possible to try to fill that staffing void. It, it, we could have a whole series of episodes about mm-hmm. it, but you're right. It's, it's a whole level of toxic onto itself.
2: Yeah. It's, a, it's a similar, it seems to be a similar issue, though, just where they. It, the the humanization just gets lost in that process too. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's kind of parallel issue in this for a different part of the industry.
1: Canned RFP responses, boys.
0: Well, as we, uh, as we come kind of round to home here, uh, Martin, in the intervening time period since that incident versus now, have you had any interactions with sales that, you know, stands out in contrast? you know to the approach that we've seen here
2: um i haven't had anything that i would really say was like a real cool or a real exciting sales pitch or anything like that i did have one i have one that sticks in in my brain but i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing um i have somebody message me on linkedin pretty pretty intensely and pretty consistently um mm. and they every single message they fill with like coffee puns to try and get me to like have coffee which I thought was kind of cool because I like puns and dad jokes and whatnot, but uh, yeah, that was it was. I think it would have been okay if it was a little less aggressive. It was still too often, I think, to be getting messages. But yeah, man, we're I, talking I would about much pa- prefer that.
0: We talk about patience versus persistence, and I think I need to extend that a little bit. <clears throat> the persistence comes also with um being receptive. Right, persistence is patience and persistence isn't just outreach, outreach, no outreach, outreach. It's the way that that outreach occurs. So, you know, the the pun doesn't land or the joke lands or whatever. I mean, you got to try something else, right? So, like, why are we just going to continue doing the same thing on, you know, turn it to eleven and hope that like just like DM you into submission? Fine, fine, I'll take a meeting
3: right well i mean I like i i
1: look at it like like um i work in the online dating space you know um you wouldn't you wouldn't try to talk a new love interest into going out with you in the same creepy repetitive kind of manner so what makes you think it's going to work for sales right. <laughs> I'll try to say
2: yeah i have a feeling some true. people try that one too but yeah i'm sure it doesn't work any better
0: yeah well um Martin, I want to thank you for taking the time uh, on an evening uh, to chat through this with us. Uh, we really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, for sure. Anytime. I'll uh, I'll let you know if I get any more any more cool ones. But other than, yeah, other than those couple ones, it's just been you know random the, the normal send you an email and then never never hear from them again.
3: Right, uh, that's an uh, interesting as it be. Too. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Well, thanks, man.
3: Yep. We'll see you. Thanks, you. Thanks Appreciate it, Mike. Right? Take care, man.
0: Do. That's it for now. Subscribe to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every Wednesday. And be sure to follow our LinkedIn page for updates, including on some upcoming in-person events. Until next time.